And the World Cup is on uh, for football, but um, as I am, I don't know if anybody's doing it as well. We are boycotting it. So that's a great opportunity to learn a bit about wine. So welcome to Grapes. This is episode number four. My name is Tobias Salvai. And I'm Phil Cook. And today we're going to talk about Riesling. Uh, what a grape, feel! What a grape. Uh, there's a lot to cover. I hope we're going to manage in, in our 20 minutes budget uh, in yeah. terms of time to cover everything. But um, going through straight to the topic, starting from the history, okay. um, I've been reading a lot about it. So there's mixed uh, mix information. So I'll try to make some sort of uh, order in this. Okay. Uh, so we can say that the very first documented evidence uh, of uh, Riesling appeared uh, in 1435. Uh, because uh, um, a count in the area of Germany, in Rüsselheim, was uh, basically um, counting his bottle. So the mention of Riesling uh, appeared in the wine cellar log of this uh, uh, castle. Uh, the count in, was uh... counting. Pardon, sorry? The count was counting. The count was counting, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we, we can say as well that... Uh, um, other supposed origins uh, uh, are, have been found in uh, in Austria, in the area of Wachau, in 1232, uh, in Alsace in 1348, but there are no any you know, official documents that state that, so we really don't know whether if this is true or not. Um, we know that the origins uh, are in definitely in Germany because uh, there is uh, a tale that says that monks uh, at the um, Abbey of Eberbach in Germany, okay. uh, they were really disappointed about the quality of German reds, uh, right. and uh, you know they were comparing them with uh, with the Pinot Noirs from Burgundy or with even with Bordeaux. So they ordered in the 14th century to remove all of the red grapes uh, and uh, make space to cultivate Riesling. Okay. Uh, in fact, uh, shortly after that, in 1511, there's evidence pardon, that Riesling was popular in Germany and uh, in Austria as well. Uh, so something quite, um, quite unique and old. It's, it's, it's considered one of the oldest grapes known. Mm. Um, the name of it uh, comes from Russ, which is German for dark wood. And uh, and also with the with the you know grooved bark that are typical of the plant of Riesling, um, it came out in a, in in a combination of words that ended up being Riesling, and then uh, Riesling. Okay. Uh, then the origins of the style uh, of uh, you know this off dry style and the sweet style. We're gonna talk a bit more about it later on, but the sweet Rieslings um, are born actually in 1775. Right. And they've, they've been created by mistake. Uh, somebody probably made a mistake in, uh, in fermenting. Presented, too, presented uh, too much su- uh, sugars. And, uh, and yeah, by mistake, by luck, they created something quite, quite unique. Do you have any news for us in terms of the areas of production of the world? Because I mentioned a lot Germany, but uh, I mean, we know that grazing grows pretty much everywhere. Yeah, um, I mean, similar sort of to a few as you, you mentioned, uh, I, I'm going to start in, in Germany, um, which 
we're all sort of beginners with a sort of spiritual home. Um, Recent grapes, they reach their full potential in areas that are quite cool, dry, and it likes a slow uh, ripening process. So just warm enough to allow the grapes to ripen at their own sort of pace. So yeah, we're going to start in Germany, um, which is the largest production area in the world with around 56,000 hectares dedicated to Riesling. Um, wow. You find it's mainly in the sort of the east of Germany. Uh, we're going to begin in, in Mosul, which is one of my favorite regions. Uh, and it's one of the most northerly sites. Um, the best vineyards are in an area known as Middle Mosul, where the vines are planted on, you see these quite similar growing conditions, so deep south and southeast facing slopes, and it's around the banks of the river Mosul, uh, which is important because the stony soils um, are crucial for the ripening process, um, as they absorb the heat from the sun. Um, and then the river reflects the sun, the rays of the sun back into the vines. Um, and it's not quite as an intense heat process as you would see somewhere like a wine grow in, in like Australia or something like that. So a very slow process. Um, you then move slightly further inland uh, to the Rheingau, which is quite a small but a very prestigious area of recent production. And again, it's situated on steep south-facing slopes, and this time it's on the bank of the River Rhine. Um, slightly more humid conditions there, so you'll get a sort of riper style of Riesling, more sort of medium to full-bodied. Um, and the vineyards there benefit from protection of the, the Taunus Hills, which sort of shield it from winds and things like that. Um, the third site in Germany is, uh, we mentioned, is Fouts, which is the second largest growing area. Um, and the vineyards are basically a continuation of the fields over the French border in Alsace, and they're protected from by the elements from mountains in the west. Um, again, the common characteristics is a long growing season there. It's allowed the slow ripening of the grapes. Um, Fouts is the driest of the German regions with plenty of sunshine that again aid the ripening of the grapes. Um, a touch on Alsace there in France, which is again one of the more famous areas of really good quality Riesling. It's one of the sunniest, driest wine producing areas actually in France. Uh, and it lies just east of the Vosges Mountains that again provide that shelter uh, from the, the wet westerly wind, uh, winds there. Um, the best sites are found on east or south facing um, sites, east or southeast facing sites, should be, on the foothills of the mountains, where they get a healthy dose of sun in the morning. Uh, and again, that all important long growing season, uh, which is largely why we get such great wines from Alsace. Outside of Europe, um, I'm heading to Australia, which produces some great Rieslings. Oh, yes. Um, they've actually grown Riesling since the 19th century, so again, very old. Riesling producing area. Premium wines there are produced mainly the best known sites are the, the Clare Valley and Eating Valley in the South of Australia. There's around 10,500 hectares of land there dedicated to Riesling, um, which is high altitude vineyards and again modern climate that really suit the grape there for producing top Riesling. Quite good value for money as well. Uh, and a little bit of the curveball I'm going to end there with was I was actually in New York earlier in the year. And I came across some really good, quite credible Rieslings. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, you can find them in UK markets. They're becoming more and more available. Namely the, the Finger Lakes, which is in the north of New York State, um, just near the border. But there's, the area is sort of surrounded by glacial lakes, which really stored heat well up to the end of November, believe it or not. And right. that again allows that longer growing season that we see in Europe. 
uh, to produce some quite great uh, Riesling. So a little bit of a niche find, uh, but yeah, they're the main sort of sites uh, for Riesling production. Now, you could tell us about the plant. Yes, yeah, 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 because, I mean, um, depending also the era of production, you know, um, Riesling is all about terroirs. So yes. it's really highly influenced by by the terroirs and by also um, the the style. Uh, it could be you know dry, off dry, sweet. We can talk then about it later when we're maybe approaching the flavors. Yes. But uh, it all comes down basically to the sugar levels of the of the fruit. Um, so the origins of um, of the plant itself uh, on the DNA test, uh, there basically is, a, is somewhat. Uh, a, not a crossbreed, but it, it comes from uh, um, a great variety called Goudoua Blanc right. and Traminer. Uh, Goudoua Blanc, uh, it's a French grey variety and there's almost none left. It's, uh, it's a really old and uh, almost disappeared uh, grape. Uh, Grizzling is uh, original to the area of Rhine in uh, Germany. I don't know if that's the, the correct pronunciation, but um, it's, uh, they found the first clones in there. And it's uh, what they call an aromatic grape variety with a, with a very high acidity. Uh, got exceptional um, aging potential uh, yeah. thanks to the, to the acidity. Um, it can be picked early, very early, to preserve crispness uh, and dryness, or quite late, uh, so, you know, with a higher concentration of sugar. Uh, the sweetness or the dryness depends, in fact, uh, uh, from the harvesting time and then the, the cellar methods. Right. Uh, the fruits, so the, the berries are round, quite round, and yellow-green, depending again from uh, the sort of time you, lo- you, are, uh, you are looking at them. They tend to be greener when they are younger and then they turn into yellow towards the end of the, of the growing season. season pardon. And uh, um, generally speaking, it's quite of a low alcohol grape. Uh, mostly because the year of productions uh, are quite cold, so the, you know there's not enough time and heat to develop sugar inside sure. the fruit. And uh, one kind of characteristic, interesting characteristic that I found about Riesling as well is that um, it got a thicker bark compared to uh, most of the other vines. Okay. Uh, so it's a really resistant uh, and strong plant. Uh, I mentioned a little bit about, you know, the sugar levels, the styles, uh, uh, as you know, it's uh, 7.30, 7.20 right now, uh, I'm quite hungry and I'm always looking forward for the, you know, food pairings and the, the, <laughs> the, f- the flavors as well of the wines. What do you got for us today, Phil? Okay, yeah, so I mean, I'll start with the, the flavor profile. Um, and you sort of touched on a couple of things in terms of Riesling, like you say, it's very aromatic and quite a highly acidic grape. It's very floral. Now, it can be quite a versatile um, wine in terms of you can get bone dry to sweet. So I'm just going to give a sort of a, a general flavour profile rather than going to every silly little region and everything like that because we'll be here all night. Um, so, it, like I say, it's very aromatic. So, Riesling, it's actually one of those grapes where you don't really have to put your nose too much into the glass to get the flavours because they really jump out of the glass. Um, so, you can pick them up, get your nose in there, and then you can sort of uh, dissect the, the various flavours. Um, so, grapes that are just ripe and no more, they're sort of fresher flavours of 
things like pear, crisp green apple, um, and then sort of lemon, lime, citrus flavour. Due to the sort of slightly riper grapes, we see more sunshine develop those sugars, which will feature more stone fruit vibes with things like uh, white peach, apricots, even onto tropical fruits like pineapple and mango. Um, the way it's fermented as well, it tends to be in inert vessels like stainless steel as opposed to oak because that really preserves those floral characters. So you can get things, um, you know, like a, like jasmine flavors, for example, um, and it can develop into tertiary flavors of a couple of strange things, honey, uh, and even petrol is a funny one. I think when you go into the wine industry and you hear something described as petrol. Petrol is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Something that... that pleasant, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it works. It's sort of, it's very nice. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's a little bit different, quite unique to the grape. Um, this, I won't delve too much into it, but Germany has quite strict um, guide, guidances to um, the sweetness levels. Uh, so you can get different levels of sweetness, which are then given certain different titles, which I, I won't bore you too much without, with that sort of thing. But what I will say is that the ABV, as you touched on earlier, can vary quite a lot. So in Mosul, for example, it's common to find wines that are as low as 9 10% alcohol by volume so if you're looking for a sort of a lighter tipple or you're cutting back in alcohol Riesling is a great um, wine to do so um, oh, but yeah, still, absolutely. yeah you still got a lot of uh, great flavours of the, the sort of floral characteristics in the citrus still quite complexity but in a lighter sort of medium body style of wine food wise um, I'm just heading straight to spice with this wine because it's such a great wine with spice due to its acidity floral characters and those wines have a slight bit of sweetness to them just work so well um, my favourite curry is a sort of North Indian Buna style which can be quite quite heat hot uh, but the refreshing nature of the wine just works so well, those, that high acidity can cut through those spices work well um, and it's just just a, it's match made in heaven really and that uh, transfers over to Thai food too so if you like those Thai flavours uh, I prefer Indian more to Thai, but you know, a great wine with Thai food too. A little more classical, something like a, a French style uh, five spice comfy duck leg, where the wine really cuts through that rich meat and that sort of crisp, fatty skin mingles with those aromatic, slightly sweet spices like clove and cinnamon. It's just great, really works. Vegetarian again, you go for a vegetarian curry with some roast vegetables, slightly spiced. Um, or even things like a, a lentil dal too. Those just characters just just made to be together. Um, I always really touch on cheeses, but it's not such a great cheese wine. But something like a quite a young, uh, creamy, crowdy would work well. Um, but yeah, definitely spice is the way to go with that. And that's what I would recommend. Fantastic. Yeah, Asian food and uh, um, definitely I, I could see it working with it. Yeah, for sure. Now, Phil, uh, we approached the topic uh, fun facts. Okay. Well, I got two. One is fun and the other one is not. <laughs> uh, which one you want to hear first? Let's go for the fun. So the fun one is a personal fact. It's uh, when, I, when I first dated Claudia, which now became my wife. Okay. We, 
I invited her to my home, uh, and the excuse was, you won't believe it, but at home I have a, a, a wine that tastes like petrol and smells like petrol. <laughs> And, uh, and and yes, that's that's how we started dating. So that's quite, quite fun, I'd say. Try to get her drunk, that's what you're trying to say. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to get her drunk. <laughs> Don't do this, guys. That's wrong. Okay. <laughs> Don't get girls drunk. Uh, jokes apart, uh, the serious fact, uh, but uh, quite interesting, I'd say. So um, you mentioned Alsace, you mentioned Germany. Uh, if we're going back in 1870, we are talking about, you know, the Franco-Prussian War. Right. So the army led by, the Prussian army led by Otto von Bismarck. And, uh, uh, you know, in those years were, uh, were quite advanced with war technologies and uh, uh, they had uh, um, a lot of interest in uh, uh, getting into war with uh, what was left of the, you know, the Napoleonic France uh, sure. after Napoleon got defeated. So, uh, you know, the Prussians were so, so good at war at the time that uh, um, in the 19th of September, 1870, they, they managed already to put Paris, the city of Paris, was under siege by them. Yeah. Uh, so pretty much they uh, already, they won the war in uh, uh, six months. And... This happened uh, because uh, um, lots of the um, southern German countries, so the wine countries of Germany, right. contributed with uh, you know with lots of uh, uh, young uh, soldiers uh, to the to the war. So um, when when then the war was over, uh, Otto von Bismarck um, signed with France uh, the Armistice of Versailles. And uh, uh, the reward for uh, uh, you know all of the sacrifice that all of those uh, southern German countries were uh, uh, giving to the war right. was uh, nevertheless one of the best uh, wine regions of France, okay. Alsace. Right. So Al- Alsace went from being French to be German. Okay. Uh, and this was a really smart political move from the Germans because what they did was ruining and destroying completely the quality of Alsace wines by you know, right. changing the rules of winemaking in order to exalt and to export better uh, the, the, the great varieties uh, uh, such as Riesling uh, coming mostly from the German side. So, you know, right. those... Uh, uh, Alsace then, uh, as we all know, has been at the center of, uh, you know, the First and the Second World War. Sure. And uh, uh, it's incredible that wine region because despite the devastation that it suffered, uh, you know, as a battleground for many, many years, uh, it still managed to preserve tradition and wine knowledge. And it's still now, oh. in fact, uh, after all that went through in those regions, one of the most productive and prestigious wine regions uh, uh, of, of the world, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, and in Alsace, uh, it's produced one of the best and unique styles of uh, Riesling. So, you know, it's, it's incredible, in my opinion, how politics, uh, you know, power and wine somehow comes together. Yeah, exactly, exactly. People don't really think about how old wine is and, like you say, the political impact, uh, you know, it plays a part in history, you know, which is quite magical, really, when you think about it. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, talking now, be more of cheerful things. Uh, we received some nice comments, actually. Uh, I don't know if I told you before about our wine recommendations. Uh, okay. Few people, few people purchased uh, something that uh, we recommended and uh, right. they enjoyed it. So good. Uh, I'm quite happy. And uh, what are your wine recommendations for the week, Phil? Well, personally, I'm glad some someone's listened to us. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, yeah, this we, we don't know that though. The well, yeah. line, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is I think it's quite fun. It's um it's a wine that very much I think um suffered from bad supermarket versions, things like uh Lieb Freumlich and uh Hawk. They gave it quite a bad reputation. But when I came into the wine industry, it was very much a white wine that was tended to be a favourite of most people, which you know, people in the industry obviously are in the know uh, and I, I, I love this wine, I really do this style of wine. Uh, so it was quite fun to choose a few uh, different varieties and quite difficult actually. Um, but for my sort of more sort of special number, um, I went to quite an old winery, uh, Trimbach, which is, is from Alsace and uh, Cuevi Frederick Emil 2014, uh, which is around a £50 mark from a place like Majestic. So. Not crazy expensive, but still a bit of a treat. Um, it's a family-owned winery dating back to the 17th century, and unbelievably, it's now in the 13th generation of the family winemakers. So, bags and bags of experience. Uh, this wine itself is made from 40-year-old vines, so old vines give you a, a lesser yield but a more concentrated flavour. So, 40-year-old Alsatian vines. It's a dry riesling. It's very, very elegant. Uh, with sort of stone fruit flavours of peach, floral notes from sort of blossom notes, uh, and it's got quite an interesting mineral background. Um, to the more medium one, there was bags of options. Uh, the Klangwerk uh, from Alexander Giesler is a, a great wine, around the £20 mark, but I chose the Zentumbrecht Riesling, which is 22.50 available on Harvey Nichols or online. Again, another very old winery dating back to the 1600s, uh, they now follow completely natural wine practices. So we say here natural wine, think super organic. Um, it's under the stewardship of Oliver Humbrecht now. Um, and it's a very aromatic, crisp wine uh, with green apple flavours. A slight uh, citrus uh, influence, sort of lemon sorbet, and again, those stone fruit, white peach flavours which is a perfect curry wine. I know that was my food recommendation, but this is a great wine. Uh, quite a good price at 22.50. And to the more everyday wine, uh, it's a complete bargain, I think. Uh, it's around the 10, 12 pounds mark from the Lothian Vineyards, which is not a Scottish vineyard. I just have to stress that. It's made <laughs> in Elgin. Again, Elgin, not in Scotland. It's in South Africa, but it is actually made by a Scottish family called The Simpsons. Um, it's got a really powerful nose and it's, it's got bags of honey flavours and complexity and fruits like crisp green apples, pears, apricots. And mentioned the honey, it's strange, it's almost like that viscous honey texture continues into the glass uh, and it's quite a rich wine, quite complex, um, but a, a real bargain at like around 10 to pounds, as I say, uh, one definitely wow. picking up. Uh, so, yeah, so that's Lovian Vineyards um, Riesling. Uh, what about yourself? What have you went for this week? Right. Um, so I went to the Mosel Valley. 
and okay. uh, and I needed to ask help to a, a friend of mine that lives uh, in Munich, uh, right. which actually want to thank thank you, uh, Ali. You you helped me a lot with the pronunciation of this wine. <laughs> so we're talking of uh, the winemaker, which is called Donov, and that's quite easy. And then brace yourself, Phil, because I'm about to show off some real German here. Okay, <laughs> it's called Niederhäuser Hermann Schule. Okay, uh, how, how about that? So we are talking of a Riesling. Uh, it can, you can find uh, a 2015 vintage, which is what I've uh, picked, nice. uh, which is quite fresh. Uh, um, is off dry, so it's not a dry wine. So you got a bit of residual sugar, makes it a little bit sweet. You got a fantastic minerality, great complexity of flavors. Uh, it leads from you know pink grapefruit to tropical fruits, passion okay. fruit, pineapple, uh, and you got that petroly characteristic, that kind of you know gasoline nose yeah, that yeah. Uh, I love. Me uh, too. This sells for seventy-five pounds. You can find older vintages, and uh, uh, the older, the more complex, yeah. and and the more expensive as well. I think this sure. wine, if you manage to put your hands of a, of an old vintage, you might end up paying uh, two, three hundred pounds a bottle for this one. And you could uh, that as well, though, right? You could add value to it by aging it. Of course, yeah, it got such great potential for aging yeah. Riesling in general, and mostly the off dry because sugar is a preservant as well. Yeah. They can age forever. There are some Riesling that are super, super old. Yeah. Uh, for the medium one, so for the medium priced one, I went for uh, Zindumbracht as well in Alsace. Okay. Uh, this is close, uh, it's called, pardon, Clos Saint Urbain, um, Ranger de Town. It's a, it's a unique close, so a unique vineyard, uh, which is considered one of the the, the hidden gems of uh, uh, you know Alsace. Right. It's uh, again incredibly mineral, very very complex. Uh, the the flavor range of, goes from crisp and dry lime up to again tropical fruits. Uh, this sells for around around fifty pounds. Uh, okay. So you know. We're talking of, still of, a, of quite a serious wine. And then for uh, for the, let's call it everyday, I went to Australia, Eden Valley, right. uh, from to a winery called Corriton Birch. Okay. This is a, is a fantastic surprise. Um, it's a, it's a bone dry Riesling. So for those that don't, you know, don't like the, the sweet stuff, sure. this is a, a bit more of a, of a fit. It's, um, it's more on the, you know, again, uh, aromatic dry kind of pine cold and pine wood nose with, uh, with pink grapefruit, lime, lemon, uh, really, really salty mineral, uh, uh, really nice. I, I consider it uh, quite a nice aperitif style of wine. Sure. This, this you can find it between 15 and 20 pounds okay. in the UK. Um, I've picked this wine for two reasons. I like it and uh, it, it got a Gryphon on the label and I'm a Genoa fan, so <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was a plus to it. <laughs> uh, that was it for the wine recommendations. Uh, okay. I don't know if you feel have anything to add on this, but I think that's it for our episode today. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, we insist uh, uh, for those that are listening if you have any recommendation request uh, if you want to tell us off and t- say that we are uh, you know uh, useless please do it privately and uh, we will get your queries and we will uh, we will deal with that <laughs> thank you very much for listening thank you Phil we speak again next week uh, for another episode of Grapes have a good evening <laughs>